0: Connect Church family, we are so excited to be in church today, man. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Devin. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, thank you so much for coming out to church. If you're a frequent flyer, uh, we just want to say welcome to the family. If you've been coming here for a long time, even in the middle of the pandemic, you're the real spiritual ones. You guys are the greatest. I got a uh, awesome message for you today, kind of a bit of a one hit wonder, uh, so it doesn't necessarily belong into a series. Um, But I want to be, I want to speak more to the missional side of our church. We're in the middle of this crazy, amazing, fun, chaotic, nuts transition season. Um, And as COVID starts to maybe transition and change a little bit for us, uh, church is really starting to uh, develop and pick up a lot more as we formerly knew it. But we've been working hard behind the scenes for so long. And I want to honor the dream team. I want to honor our pastors. I want to honor all the people that make Connect Church what it is. We wouldn't be the, the same way without you. And so I'm so excited to be here. Hey, if you're in one of our locations, if you're in Connect Milford or Framingham uh, or at Marlboro or Ashland, man, we love you guys so much. You guys are the greatest people on the planet. And uh, I just can't wait to to see you in person again soon. So I I got this message I want to go and preach from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, okay? Oh, and also shout out to Shrewsbury. I didn't say my love to Shrewsbury yet. I love you guys. You guys are the best. Shout out to Bella Arago, your incredible leader. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. First, I'm going to give you a little bit of context because this is a really, really important passage, okay? So the people of Israel are about to enter the land of Canaan. So they're about to enter the land of Canaan, but before they enter the land... They, they have a consensus. They have this committee meeting and all of them are sitting down and they are reviewing some of the rules and some of the regulations but also some of the values and the virtues of what it means to go into this Canaan land. And so we want to make sure that as we go into new territory, we still got the same values. Okay, so Deuteronomy is a part of uh, the, basically the law books and it's se- essentially saying it's the second time it's the law. It's a repetition of the law. And so it's repeating some things that we previously learned in Exodus Exodus, and even Leviticus, some of the law books. But this particular one, we're going to review and we're going to read this particular passage. I think is so important for all of us, especially when it comes to our homes and our families. Okay, so they're at the border of Canaan. They're about to enter the Canaan land. But then they're going to talk about how they're going to govern themselves. This is what it says, Deuteronomy 6. These words which I am commanding you today, shall be written on your heart and on your mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I'm reading the Amplified. Basically meaning impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths. And they shall speak to them when you sit into your, somebody say, house, in your house. And when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And and they shall be used as bands or frontals or frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Right before this, it talks about how to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's the famous scripture. But then right after that, it says, listen, you need to teach these to the future generation. Now, Now, listen to me. The next generation or the new generation needs to learn old truths The new generation needs to learn old truths. But hear me, this is basically talking about in this passage where you need to make sure you're not just relying on church to teach your children or church to teach the next generation, but you do it in your own homes. Come on, I'm already preaching right now. Do it in your own homes. Israel was not to rely on the teachings publicly, solely, but also privately. And so essentially another way I could say it is this. God doesn't just want you to go to his house He wants to be invited into yours. God doesn't just want you to go to his house and go to church. He wants the church to become you and your household. Now there's another famous passage of scripture that I absolutely love. And my family says this almost every single time we have dinner together. It's found in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the God of the Amorites, in whose land you live. But, come on, everybody say this out loud, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach from this thought today, room raiders. Room raiders. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for gathering us as a church family together. Uh, we are so honored, so humbled that you would speak to us. So, so would you do so right now, Lord? speak to us. Help me to speak with clarity, with boldness, to declare the word that you've given me. I believe this is going to help people. It's really going to challenge people and change people. Help us to see Jesus clearly, to hear from heaven, and to encounter the power and the grace of God. We love you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen and amen. There was this old show. It was called Room Raiders, okay? Old show on MTV called Room Raiders. Now I loved watching this show because the concept was so brilliant. Now for some of my millennials you'll 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 know this. We loved this show back in the day. For some of the Gen Zers it might be a little too old for you. You might not know this. And for some of my Gen Xers and the, uh, generations above, I don't particularly think you guys probably have ever heard of this show before. So let me explain the concept of what happened. Essentially they would choose this one girl and this one girl or guy depending on the episode. This one girl would identify three blind dates and she would choose one of these guys to go out on a date with but the interesting and a catch to this show was they would kidnap these three guys unbeknownst to them they of course knew they were on the show they're going to be on the show but they didn't know the time or the hour sounds like jesus they didn't know the time or the hour when the people were coming and so they would kidnap these three guys throw them all into this van and their house would be left vacant Now, the way they would be set up on a date would be this one girl, again, the candidate for the show, she would go into the homes of these three guys that were kidnapped, and she would identify, she would kind of do her detective thing on these men's rooms. And based on the condition of their room, she would determine whether or not she's going to go out on a date with them. So she doesn't know these personalities. She doesn't know who these guys look like. She doesn't know if they're cute. She doesn't know if they're busted. She doesn't know anything except for the contents of their room. Woo! This thing will preach today. So she walks into these houses, okay? Some houses you see, oh, there's a, there's a cemetery across the street. That's really interesting. Oh, you go up into the living room and you realize, oh, this, this place seems pretty organized. You go upstairs. Okay, it's a big house. There's a small house. Oh, look at the car in the driveway. So she's collecting all this data, all this information. If you guys are a part of the student ministries, you know, dating is for data, You're collecting information, you're trying to hear from God, and then when you combine those two things together, you can make a wise choice for somebody. So, they go into this house, this girl goes into this house, she goes up to the rooms, and if, imagine putting yourself in this scenario. Okay, these guys got kidnapped, they didn't know when these people were going to be taking them, but they didn't know at some point they would be doing so, so they would probably be living on edge constantly. So they go up into this one room, and finally they see, oh, Messy bed. Oh, it's disgusting. Oh my gosh, look at that. Look at that bed. They go into the bathroom and they realize, oh, there's toothpaste all there's just There's just a beard hair all over the city. That's disgusting. This guy doesn't clean up at all. This guy's a slob. This guy's a mess. Goes into a separate room, a different room of another candidate. Okay, this guy seems to be pretty cleanly. Seems to be pretty clean. Let's look into his closet. Oh, this guy's got a lot of shoes. He's got, he's got way too many shoes. I'm talking about myself right now. He's got so many different types of shoes, and you can identify the passions of a person based on the contents of their house. So then she goes into the third one. She finds a bunch of different things there, and then now she has a bunch of information, and she's gathering this information. She sees these three guys finally. They introduce them into this house. And then she goes, okay, well, room number one, I didn't really like. And she eliminates candidate number one. And this guy walks out. Room number two, I don't know, there's just kind of some weird stuff in the bathroom. I didn't really like that. She eliminates. And finally, room number three is who she chose based on the condition of his room. Now watch, this is really important. I think this is really healthy for us. Put yourself in this scenario. What if one day, let's apply some spiritual application to this. What if God came to your house? What if he came to your house unannounced, knocked on the door and said, I'm taking you out of this house and now I'm going to assess the condition of your home. Can I just tell you something? I remember going to the gym and I'm a gym rat. I love going to the gym. I love exercising. I think it's really healthy for my mind more than just my body. So I'm going to this gym this one time, and you know you get a little pump on. You look into the gym mirror, and you look in the gym mirror, and you're like, "Wow, I feel like I look pretty, pretty, pretty lean right now. I look pretty lean. I got my traps. You just your traps all the way to the neck. I'm just I got my traps. We're good. And I'm like, this this gym mirror makes me look really good. I leave five minutes later, still got my pump. Five minutes later, drive to my house. I walk into my house. I look in one of my house mirrors. And all of a sudden, I just look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And now I look like Gollum. Like, what just happened? Anybody else feel this way? When you look in some other people's mirrors or you look in a gym mirror and you're like, I look completely different than when I look like at home. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever felt this way. This has happened to me a ton of times. Where I'm literally looking in my home mirror and I'm like, I look a lot different than I did at the gym. You really want to know the character or the contents of a person's character, don't just look at how they act at church. (laughs) Don't just look at how they look like at the gym. You really want to know somebody. Look at what they're like at home. This This is Deuteronomy for us. Deuteronomy is literally communicating to us, hey, parents, hey, leaders, hey, Christians, what's the condition of your home like? What would you find? What would God find? If he knocked on the door, and he said, I need you to get out right now, and I'm going to assess the condition of your house. Man, that's a question. What would your home be like? What would he find? What character, what contents, what personality type would we come up with based on the condition of your home? If you walked into my house... You would see my house is pretty organized. My wife is a very organized woman. She's amazing when it comes to home decor, interior design. She's even doing some outside design work right now. She's doing an incredible job. You would walk into my room and you would see my wife built this whole like library. Okay, first of all, let me just tell you something because I can feel people judging me. I can preach. Okay, I can talk. I can cast out a demon. I cannot put up a bookshelf, okay? I was not gifted with the handy gene, okay? I have no handiness whatsoever in me, all right? So, like, listen, if if somebody needs me to move something, I'll move something. If somebody needs me to build something, I'll cast a demon out of that thing. I'll pray for you. I'll intercede for you. I'll motivate you. Can't do it for the life of me, okay? My wife is that way. She's gifted with it. I'm not. I've accepted that weakness. Stop judging me, okay? Some of you guys are not handy either. So you walked into our room, and you would see we got a big bookshelf, a ton of books. I was so excited because because I'm really developing and building my library. You would see that you walked into our home, you could you could probably in, in, get information and say, okay, these people these people like to to read. You would see that we have a ton of Bibles everywhere. I, I probably got like 15 different Bibles. And Nat has a, has her own makeup room. She has her own like treatment room. Uh, she's an esthetician, and I got my own little desk. And you you'd see that there's there's a lot of kind of chaos in our house because we got two little boys. We got a bunch of toys. You could you could assess a lot. You could gain a lot of information if you just looked at the condition of our house. That's what I want to ask. It's not so much is your house organized. This is not that sermon. Is your house clean? Is your house organized? This is not what the sermon is about. Let me ask you this question. If somebody walked into your house, if somebody raided your room, what spirit would they find? What kind of spirit Would be found in your home. I I wrote down four that I see all throughout Scripture that I think when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our houses, I think we should find these four spirits. And these are four things that we are trying to, as a Fry family Natalia Fry, Devin Fry, Ezra, and Zion, we're trying to attain for our house. Number one would be this the first spirit I hope you would find, and I want to challenge our church to do the same thing. I hope you would find a hungry spirit hungry spirit let me just ask a simple question when was the last time you just said i need a word from god when was the last time you just said i just i need to hear the voice of god listen you don't need you don't just need more wealth you need a whisper you need to hear the voice of the lord man does not live on bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of god matthew says like like we don't just need more food we don't just need more wealth we need a word. And how many people are deprived and starving without a word from God? Some direction. Friend, you need direction in your life. Wisdom, listen to me, you need to write this down. Wisdom will only take you so far. Listen, I'm an I'm a intellectual. I love to read. I love to learn. I love to study. I constantly ask questions. I am incessant about gathering information. But I have learned in my 28 years of experience wisdom will only take you so far there are some things only God can open a door and wisdom can't do it for you you need the spirit of God and you need wisdom but there are some things only God can do what you have a hungry spirit in your house listen I know you can gather you can come to church you can lift your hands you can raise your voice we can do all those awesome things I think those are awesome but do you do that in your own home Listen, corporate worship and private worship are equally as important. You need both to be mature. And so many of us lift our hands and we're singing and we're shouting and spits flying and veins are popping out because we're worshiping God. When was the last time you did that by yourself in your car? Do you have a hungry spirit? God did something in my heart this past, this past few months. I got trained. We went to Pastors University. My dad and I went down to Pastors University, just got some training on how to be more effective pastors and leaders. First of all, it was amazing to learn from my dad. We just had incredible conversations as we're driving about. We're staying at the hotel. We're down in Florida. And first of all, praise God for Florida right now. It was awesome being down there. The weather is incredible. But we were just going to hang out. It was awesome to learn from my dad, but it was also fun to just learn with my dad. And so we got training, we got we got just impartation. There was a ton of amazing things that happened. In this in this one particular moment, the very last day. It's Thursday. It's three thirty. We're supposed to be dismissed. We have seventy-five pastors all over the country meeting in that room. Pastor Larry Stockstill, a general in the faith, by the way. A few of his spiritual sons now into some of the largest churches in all of America, and they call him his pastor. Just He's a leader of leaders, a father of fathers, and a pastor of pastors. Incredible leader. Anyways, he ends up saying, I want to bless you. He said that. Literally, everybody said, I guarantee you there's a few people that missed their flights yesterday, and you know what? It was so worth it. Because when you are that hungry to get a word from God, you will allow your schedule to be interrupted. How many times do we just jet and leave church because we got an Applebee's appointment at 1230? Listen, those chicken fingers, that popcorn is still going to be there. But there are some times where friend and family, we just simply need to stay and sit and get a word from God. To hear from heaven. Do you have direction for your life? Do you got vision for the next step of your life? Do you have vision for your family? Not just to come to church, but to bring the church to them. To to say, we, we are going to be the church. I literally remember 3.30. Everybody's supposed to leave. Pastor Larry said, I want to bless you. I want to lay my hands there. I want to pray for you. An hour goes by. Nobody's looking at the clock because he literally says, I want you to come to this altar right now. And literally 75 pastors run to the altar. I get on my hands and knees. My hands are lifted up to heaven. My eyes are closed. I am so moved in my spirit because I'm saying, I, I, need, I need a word. I need to get blessed. Right now, Pastor Larry walks through 75 pastors and gives a specific word for every single one of them, including myself. You want to know something amazing? Because my dad wouldn't say this, but I feel, like I feel a responsibility to say this. Pastor Larry laid hands on our pastor, our lead pastor. And he says, as, by the way, context, Pastor Larry is a father in the faith. He is a general. To give you a big picture vision, Pastors University, you'll hear about it in time. Pastors University, his goal before he dies is to train a hundred thousand pastors. We were in the second group that he's ever trained a hundred thousand pastors. And you know what? Knowing Pastor Larry, hearing the stories that he did, he's gonna do it, and he'll probably exceed that beyond belief. He's gonna do that in his life, anyways. That pastor, a father in the faith, laid hands on our spiritual father, our pastor, Pastor Derek Fry. And he starts prophesying to him. He says, this is an apostle. He says, this is a father. This is a father. A father in the faith laid hands and identified, acknowledged, and said, this is a father in the faith. He began to give a specific word about influence growing in both this country and Canada. Both dad and I were like, Canada? Like what? We're just kidding. Uh, If you're from Canada, I'm sorry if that offended you. God loves you and God is for Canada. (laughs) But he also said he's going to have global influence. And you know what? That's going to happen. We have a father in the faith acknowledging our Father in the faith. When was the last time you were so hungry to just get a word? Where you said, I'm going to allow my schedule to just be interrupted. Where I'll get my hands and knees, lift my hands to God and just say, I don't care how long it takes. I have a hungry spirit. When was the last time you just opened your Bible in your house? Start a Bible study in your home. Listen, Listen, the more you feed something, the more hungry you get for it. The more you feed something, the more hungry you get for it. Listen, so many of us like beer. I'm not a beer drinker. Personally, I just don't drink beer. I don't think it tastes very good. I think it tastes like urine. I'm sorry to offend you if that offends you. It is what it is. It's the truth. But so many of us have acquired a taste for certain beverages. It's the same thing with God. You start to read the word, you start to see the benefits, you start to see the wisdom that comes to your life. It's an acquired taste. I know some of your young people, some of your students, some of your kids, you don't, you don't, they don't necessarily like the Bible. Let me tell you something, it's an acquired taste. You read it, you feed on it, and the more you feed on it, the more hungry you get for it. The more hungry you get for it. Here's a scripture, Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Those that are hungry, come on, they will be filled. I come home from a long day of work. Oftentimes, Tuesday nights, it's a late night for me. Every single Tuesday, because we have CLA, our leadership class, which, by the way, we would love to have you a part of if you're interested in growing your faith and your leadership. But when I come home from Tuesday nights, oftentimes my son will literally come up to me, and he just goes, Daddy's home! And he runs to me, gives me a big hug, and he starts to tell me about his whole day. Zion's three years old now. He's amazing. Kids talk in full sentences. He's incredible. And he runs up and he just chases after his father. When was the last time you chased after your father? I think it's been a long time for a lot of us. And not just in corporate settings, but in the home. Do you have a hungry spirit? Number two, do you have an honoring spirit? Do you have an honoring spirit? Here's something I know we need. We need a dishonor detox. Man, we need a dishonor detox. In cancel culture world, we need a dishonor detox. Things are being canceled left and right. It's getting ridiculous. We need a dishonor detox. I can't imagine the heart of God. Listen, I think some things need to be canceled. Make no mistake about it. I'm not going political right now. But some things straight up need to be canceled. But when it comes to people, listen, thank God you weren't canceled. Thank God that God extended his love, extended his grace, and extended his mercy, which you and I did not deserve. Thank God God didn't cancel us. And we live in a dishonoring culture. And listen to me, I know this for a fact because you you read about it and you see it in the story of Noah and his sons. Noah made a foolish mistake. He got drunk. He was found naked and drunk. He was found naked and drunk and his sons, one of his sons, exposed him. The other two covered him. Because, and then watch what happens. Noah cursed the son that exposed him and he blessed the sons that covered him. Because God always blesses honor and he curses dishonor it is a kingdom principle I know some people don't like that because oh we don't like who's in the office right now we don't like who's leading us right now we don't like our boss listen to me dishonor is dishonorable it's not the kingdom way it's not God's way if you want to see miracles in your life it's because honor if you want to see somebody turn into a champion grow or change watch this my mom my mom did this to me once we're at Relay we're Conference at Life Song Church. My mom walks in, she sees me, she just goes, The best leader in all of New England just walked into the room looking right in my eyes. I just like I just literally just got so hyped, I'm like, Thanks, Ma. You kidding me? Thanks, Mom. Because what does honor do? Honor is like adrenaline for the soul. Honor will turn honor will turn a young man, a young boy into a into a man. That's what honor will do. Honor brings the best out of people. Here's three things I wrote down about honor. Honor brings out your best. Honor brings out their best. And honor brings out God's best. You want to see somebody grow to the next level and give their best? Honor will do that. Honor brings out your best. Honor brings out their best. Honor brings out God's best. It was kind of a crazy situation and, and scenario, but I got, I've got i been doing a lot of podcasts and stuff like that over the this past year. And this past year, actually, uh, there was a guy that hit me up and he said, "Hey, I would love to have you on this podcast, and I actually would love for you to debate an atheist." And I'm thinking to myself, like, I wouldn't consider myself an apologist in any way, shape, or form. Still studying so many different things, but this made me double down. I'm like, "Listen, man, I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm down for it." Um, and the the day comes. Honestly, I'm pretty nervous because this was a big podcast. I think at the time we had several hundred people watching. These people have thousands of viewers, so I'm like. On on a big platform right now. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to look like a fool. Nor do I want to misrepresent God. I don't want to grieve the heart of God. But I'm also, here's my mentality. I'm not trying to make an enemy. I'm not trying to prove a point. And I'm not trying to dishonor this man because he is uh, either unintelligent or super intelligent. Honestly, the entire time, this is what God said through a principle. Is don't win the argument, win the person. And honestly, this guy, his name is Jay. Jay was the atheist. Jay was a brilliant guy. And I just kept saying to him, Jay, dude, listen, we obviously believe different things. But, bro, I think you're brilliant. And you know what? You're an eloquent communicator. Immediately as soon as I said that, his walls dropped. And for an hour and a half, we just kind of had some conversation. I wouldn't even say it. Didn't, it started as a debate. It turned into like a conversation. And you know what happened? Jay hit me up on Facebook right after that. He goes, hey, Dev, I want to be in Boston. In a, in a few months, I would love to sit down with you and just kind of talk with you. You know how seeds were planted? And I'm not saying this because I'm awesome. A matter of fact, I felt like I had so many things I did wrong in that moment. But the one thing I know I did right was I tried to win somebody. And honestly, just honor them. And I think the conversation was set up so that there was supposed to be this back and forth. I take a jab at him. He takes a jab at me. And then it was just this fight. It's this dog fight. I said, dude, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, prove a point I'm trying to win the person and so I just honored Jay that's what just the Lord told me honor him honor him honor him and you know what happened he became a friend I can say I debated an atheist and I think I won the argument because I won a friend not because I won the argument and from that point forward it just changed my mindset I am not trying to go out and dishonor people because we have disagreements By the way, they are two mutually exclusive things. Dishonor does not mean you have a disagreement. Disagreement is okay and it's healthy. But I think we've got to make sure we're honoring the person, even though we're disagreeing with the problem or the conversation. Do you have an honoring spirit in your house? No wonder miracles aren't happening. Hello, Jesus. Jesus walked into the town of Nazareth, his hometown, and he said, I couldn't do many miracles there. Why? Because the people were just familiar with who Jesus was. They said, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't that just the carpenter? And it said, Jesus did not do miracles there because there was not honor. Honor is the soil in which miracles grow. One more scripture for you, and I'm going to go to point number three. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, amplified version. That it may go well with you. Here are two promises attached to honor. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Here are two things that are attached to honoring your father and mother. Really to the principle of honor is you will have prosperity and longevity. That it may go well with you, prosperity, and that you may live long in the land, longevity. So honor brings prosperity and honor brings longevity. It is not culture's way. This is kingdom way. And kingdom way is inside out, upside down. It is different than the way the world goes. But this is what God expects from the believers and from the followers of Jesus. Is that we would be people that are honoring. What would they find in your house? Would they find a hungry spirit? Would they find an honoring spirit? Third, would they find a hospitable spirit? I, By the way, I said hospitable, not hostile. So many of us, we can't wait for arguments and fights. Listen, I put that aside. My strength finder, I don't know if you guys have done personality gift assessments. My strength finder, my top strength finder gift, really feels like a curse sometimes, is competition. Okay? I am more competitive than you. It is what it is. I'm more competitive than you. I will find a way. Listen, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. That's not scripture. That's heresy. Okay? But listen, my number one gift on strength finder years ago was competition. I had to be the best at everything. I had to beat everyone, and I lost friendships. I got in fights for it. I got popped in the face many different times. I popped some people in the face many times because competition was something. I I just had to be better. I don't think that's the kingdom way. I think it's okay to be competitive in some areas as long as it's a healthy and a holy competition. But you are not competing against anybody else other than you. I want to be the best version of myself. And my number one adversary and opponent that is my rival and I'm trying to compete with is me, not other people. And so what are you doing? Is this, is this a hospitable spirit that you have or a hostile spirit that you have where you're constantly at odds with people? But listen, God, God is expecting so many of us. We have been gifted with so many different things. I'm going to step on some toes in this point. Let me just tell you. God has expected us. God has given us so many different things. We are so blessed not to just be blessed, but to be a blessing, right? We know the scripture. Not just We're blessed not just to be blessed, but we are blessed to be a blessing. Here's what, here's what one scripture says, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. The Passion Translation says it beautifully. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. Oh, I love that. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings, watch this, will be saturated with favor. Oh my gosh, that's such a good scripture. I'm going to read it one more time. It's so nice, I'm going to have to read it twice. Those who live blessed, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. I don't know if you need more motivation than that. I want my life to be saturated with favor. Here's something I wrote down. When you learn to be good to people, God will always send you good people. When you learn to be good to people, God will always send you good people. Uh something here's something specific. This is gonna step on some toes. Some of us have three guest rooms in our house and you haven't had a guest in your house for three years. Friend, does that make sense? I think so many of us. Let me just let me tell a story first so you can get my heart. This is not to be mean. This is to be honest, because I think God grieves at seeing people that can't find a home, want to be in their purpose and their calling. And so many of us are just like the guys that just walked over the Good Samaritan. That's a problem for somebody else. And you just walk by them. That, that's a problem, but it's not my problem. Listen, I'm not saying you have to solve the problems of the world, but so many of us are exposed to needs and problems, and that is God stretching your faith. Nat and I, when we bought our house... Um, we were outside the house. It was the day before closing. And we were just like nervous, excited. We saw this house. We don't have the biggest house on the planet, but you know what? I love our house. And we've made it not just a house. We've made it a home. But we said the night before we got it and we closed, we laid hands on it. We prayed out in the parking lot in our car. We extended our hands. And we said, this house will be a house used for ministry. This is not just a house where we can, grow old and be comfortable in this is a house we will use to serve people and i'm not saying that because we're you know grade a incredible heavenly citizens i'm not saying that at all there we have so many things that we are imperfect in specifically me but listen we knew when we got our house that house was going to be used for ministry we, we joke about this all the time, but when people come over our house, they sit on our couch. Our couch is anointed. Immediately, they sit, their butt hits the seat on our couch. Immediately, tears start to fly. <laughs> it just kind of happens. But we have ministered probably more in our home than we have in our church. I think that's the heart of God. Is For so many of us, we have resources. We have equipment. we got a heart for this. And God said, would you, would you open up, first of all, your heart? Would you open up your hand? And would you open up your home? You know, we're, we're, we're going to be hosting in the next few years. This is going to be a vision of our church. We're going to be having interns from all over the country come to our church. And we're really looking for home sponsors. We're looking for people that would host interns for three, six, nine months. And you know what's happened when we've done this before? They become family to some people. I don't know, We're just put, I'm just giving you some vision for it. If, if that's something that maybe you're moved by, you say, we, we got home. We, we'd like to open up our home and, and host somebody for a few months. You should send us an email. Send us an email to our office. But, but God has blessed so many of us with resources, with homes, with space, with, with cars. Our businesses are flourishing. Not so that your business can just flourish. It's so that you can use it for the kingdom of God and bless people and honor God with it. Here's another scripture in Job 31, 31. This is speaking about Job. Didn't those who worked for me say, this is Job speaking. Didn't those who worked for me say, he fed us well? Job is saying, I fed you real well. Weren't there always second helpings? In other words, uh, you always got seconds. You got a second plate. You got a whole lot of food. You ate a lot. And no stranger, this is what he says. Job says this about himself. Can you say this about yourself? He says, no stranger ever had to spend the night on the street my doors were always open to travelers. No stranger ever had to spend a night in the street. My doors were always open to travelers. Christians should be known for their generosity and their hospitality. Unfortunately, it's the exact opposite. We are known for being stingy and we are known for being hostile. Now, I'm not saying connect church. I'm saying the church globally, many of us are known for being stingy. Many of us... Are known for being hostile. Oh, you don't believe this? Oh, you're not going to heaven? How could you say something like that? I think, I think we got to assess our hearts. Is what resources have God has God given me that I might bless other people with? Just as a little illustration, a, a point. I remember being at Pompano I believe I said that right. Beach out in Cape Cod. I was doing a wedding there. I was driving this. Beautiful neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. Multi-million dollar homes right on the beach. Every single home. Every single one of them. Private property. Do not enter. And it just had tons of warning signs. Trespassers. It had all these different things. It's like, dude, why Why have you been given all this wealth if not to share and express and show love and, and host and be hospitable. That's that's culture's way. That's not kingdom way. Job says it. He says. He says no stranger ever had to spend a night in the street. My doors were always open to travelers. Didn't those who worked for me say he fed us well? I, they had second helpings. Nobody had to spend a night in the street. Christians should be known for hospitality and generosity. Write this thought down. God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. Write it down. God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. If somebody walked into your house, would they see a hungry spirit? Would they see an honoring spirit? Would they see a hospitable spirit? And here's the fourth one. Would they see a heavenly vision? Heavenly vision. Again, I told you, I just came back from Pastor's University. And there's just a fire in my soul. I'm not here to just make money i'm not I don't have a plan B. Ministry is what we do. Ministry is who we are, and listen to me, so many people get it wrong. They think that oh ministry is for the pastors, Ministry is for the staff. Ministry is solely for the dream team no I'm not the only one in full time ministry, so are you. You are a full time minister. It may not mean that you are vocationally employed at connect church but you are the pastor of your business you are the pastor of that starbucks listen nobody else is coming you're the leader you're the believer that god has sent into that place and i want to call the leader out of you i want to call the minister out of you do you have a heavenly vision for where you're at do you got that vision there's a scripture in uh in acts chapter 26 speaking about king agrippa so king agrippa i won't be disobedient to the heavenly vision that God gave me. Do you have vision? Do you have a not just vision for your life? Do you have a heavenly vision? I think you can have vision for your life because I want, to, I want to be at this place. I want to have these businesses. I want to have this size family. I want to make this much money. I want to have this net worth. I think I think those things are awesome. But do you have a heavenly vision? I know for this church we do. We exist. If you know, if you're a part of Connect Church, why don't you say it out loud with me? We exist to connect the disconnected. That's why we exist. We do four things. We help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That is the purpose. That is the heavenly vision that God has given this church. I know what our vision is. I'll close with this last story. I remember hearing this from Pastor Larry. He shared this illustration about a Bushmaster snake. So this snake is powerful. It's venomous. The locals that are around Bushmaster areas they wouldn't, they wouldn't attack or they would actually run away from these snakes because they're known for being so aggressive. And if somebody attacked one Bushmaster, multiple Bushmaster snakes would go after them and they would have times where they would be killed. If you get bit by a Bushmaster snake, you'd be killed in 15 minutes or less. These things are dangerous. These things are crazy venomous. And they're wildly aggressive. Anyways, there are these Americans that come into this particular village. They ask where the Bushmasters were. And all the locals said, No, 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 I don't I'm not helping you with this. Because they're all literally like terrified. That they think these guys are like coming after them. And so finally they get one local and they said, There's a bushmaster over there. Okay. And he runs away. These Americans find one bushmaster snake. These big snakes, they're big. They're big, they're powerful, they're venomous. They grab this snake, they capture it, they put it in a crate, and they bring it back in this boat. And they're going overseas. They put this crate down low. Every couple hours they open the hatch and they make sure that this bushmaster snake is is still in the still in the crate. Finally, this one time after checking three or four times they open it up again and they realize there's a the crate's open and they can't find the snake anywhere. Now, of course, everybody on this boat is completely on edge because this thing will kill anything in 15 minutes or less. So the crew is all over the boat. They're looking, they're looking in the, the the front. They're looking in the back. They're they're looking below. They can't find the snake anywhere. So many people concluded, maybe the snake ran off. Maybe it found a crease. It jumped into the water. It got out. But then there were two locals that said, "I think we got to go to the bottom of the boat, and we got to check." It's dark. There's like about a foot of water at the bottom of this boat. And they go down completely pitch back they get a couple flashlights and they flash their lights everywhere and you can just imagine i, I see the movie anaconda in my in my mind right now they're just walking and every step is is a dangerous step finally they have a flashlight and they see they see the bushmaster they they point it to its head yeah it's the bushmaster for sure and then they look up a little bit more and they realize it's dead this bushmaster snake got killed how did it it die? It looks up a little bit more and they find a little cat. It was a cat that had this Bushmaster snake in its mouth. And this little cat killed the Bushmaster. And all the guys are like, what in the, how did it, nobody knows how it happened. But then they flash the lights to the left a little bit and they find this cat with two little kittens behind it. So listen to me, nobody knows how it killed the Bushmaster. Everybody knows why it killed it. Because this cat had two little babies it was going to protect. This is a heavenly vision. Is so many of us need to get that burning passion. We need to get our why. This is why I am on the planet. As I exist to connect the disconnected i exist my personal calling i exist to point people to heaven and teach them how to live heaven on earth i exist to lead people to feed people to intercede for people to defend people this is why i exist and when you know your why you will figure out the how but many people are trying to figure out the how but they don't know their why And you must be obedient to the heavenly vision. But the only way you can get that heavenly vision is you have to know God and get a word from God. All these points are intertwined. You have to have a hungry spirit. If somebody walked into your home today, would they find a hungry spirit? Would they find a honoring spirit? Would they find a hospitable spirit? And would they find a heavenly vision? Not just to make money, but to make a difference. Do you have that in your home? What if God... Knocked on your door. assess the conditions of your house. Would he find any of those things? Would he find any spirit, any one of those spirits in your house? I want to give you an opportunity now. Maybe we need to make it right. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, would you do the same thing? So I want to give you a moment right now to get right with God. So many of us, we have been far and distant with him. Some of us, we need to take the next step in our faith journey and say, "I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to go to another level in my Bible reading. I'm going to go to another level in my worship in my praise. I'm going to go to another level in my faith." Some of us we got to open our open the doors to our house and say, I, "I've decided I'm going to be I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to open my home. I'm going to ha- I'm going to host small groups. I'm going to lead people. I'm not just here to just make money." And have a comfort with my family. I'm here to make a difference for Jesus because of what he's done. And all hospitality is, is welcoming others the way God welcomed you. If that's you, I want to I just pray for you. So, Father, right now, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would use this message to sink seeds down deep in the spirit and the soul of everybody under the sound of my voice. Change us, God, as you knock on our door like a gentleman. You do not barge your way in. But would you you give us a fresh revelation of all the stuff that God has done for us? He's given me salvation, redemption, transformation. He's literally changed my nature, my personality. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. I'm brand new. And so, Father, give us a fresh revelation of what you've done for us so that now we can go forward and do great works for you. In Jesus' name. Now, if that's you, If today you need to say, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to, I I don't know what my house would look like if God knocked on my door. Well, listen to me, friend. I've heard this story so many times. But there are some people that will hire a company to clean their house. But before they have the company come over and clean their house, you know what they're finding themselves doing? Cleaning their house. That is foolishness. The only way your house can really get cleaned is if you allow Jesus to come into it. And you can do it together. You can't do it by yourself. So many people come into church. So many times we've seen it. Well, I got to get some stuff together before I come to church. No, let God do that for you. You're hiring a different kind of cleaning company. It doesn't clean your house. It cleans your soul. It cleans your sin. And that's what Jesus does for you. And so if you want to give your life to Christ today, would you do that? I believe there's a number below. You can text as well to say, I want to give my life to Christ. But if that's you, if you're in one of our locations physically, if you're watching online, I want you to click a button. If you're watching in in person right now, I want you to raise your hand on three and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. I I need Jesus to come and clean my life up. If that's you, one, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't you dare wait another minute. You do not know if tomorrow is promised. Three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand up boldly and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. I need Him to clean my life up. But I want to be used greatly by God. If that's you, I want to pray this prayer with you. And we celebrate and honor every single hand that was lifted. Father, seal that prayer in their hearts. Right now, Lord, I see, I see sinners turning into saints. People being transformed from the inside out. Change their mind. Change their ways. Change us, Father. Thank you for doing it for me all those years ago. It changed my life. You gave me purpose. And I pray you do the same thing for them. Set our church on fire to take care of the lost, to raise up people, to develop leaders, to be hospitable, to have a word and a hunger for God again. I pray you do this inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, church family, I love you so much. Listen, if God knocked on your door, what would he find? This, this sermon has some homework attached to it. And so I want to challenge you to keep going forward. Have a hungry spirit. Ask God for that. Hospitable, honoring spirit. And get a heavenly vision from God. I believe he's going to do that today. I love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening.